Good evening. Good to have you here tonight. Tonight we take a look at another psalm in our study and prayer, Psalm 107. Psalm 107. Psalms are a great prayer book because they're a great hymn book. And it speaks a lot about prayer in the psalm. So let's take a look at this psalm. Now, it's, it's a long psalm, so we'll divide it in a couple parts. We won't take it all tonight. But when we get, once we get through the first part, you'll see the repetition as we go along. Um, you, you probably have a heading in your Bible for this psalm. What does it say? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And that's in verse 2 where it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. Now, that is a major theme in this psalm. So let's remember that as we go. Verse 1, first of all, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. So it's challenging us, motivating us, pushing us, driving us to do what? Say it out loud. <coughs> to give thanks. To give thanks to the Lord. It gives us some reasons why we ought to thank God. First of all, for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. Thank God that he's good. That, that his whole nature is one being of being good and that his love isn't fickle he's not on again off again love us in the morning hate us at noon maybe love us at night again uh, love us in the good times not so much in the bad times love us when we good not so much when we bad no his steadfast love endures and it endures forever his love is steadfast it's stable consistent it's always there and it's gonna always always be there so that's a good thing to know there's no love like God's love none at all then he comes and gives us a couple of reasons why we should uh, uh, um, praise God what I call this psalm is the testimony of God's people we're gonna find four testimonies in this psalm that express some uh, uh, um, some some experience that God's people have have had and that experience draws them or drives them to God and it drives them to pray we're going to see that in each that's why I picked out this psalm today because it deals with our prayer what it talks about in prayer the first experience is given in verse 4 verses 4 through 9 and what he says there some the first word is some the next experience is given in verse 10. You see the first word there is what? Some. In verse 7, the third experience, what's the first there, word there? And then in verse 23 is the fourth final experience. And what's the first word there? Some. Some what? Some people. These are the experience of some people. And what you're going to see is that you might have an experience like these or similar to these people, then it drives you to the Lord. What's common in each one of those is, first of all, we see people with a dilemma. Now, that's kind of a big word for, for some of our little guys. What does it mean? 
If I have a dilemma, I'm having what? Adults help us out. Problem. I got issues. All right, we understand that, don't we? Got a problem. So first we see the problem that people encounter or issue or, or something that, that causes trouble, right? And then we're going to see this in each one of their experiences. Then we're going to see their prayer. Then we'll see God's deliverance. And then we see what the psalmist or the Bible ex challenges them to have a right response to God delivering them. Now, if, if you're old enough, you might know of someone who God has, has changed, God has worked in their life, maybe God answered a prayer, and at first they were excited about it, and they, they wanted to thank God for it, and they were consistent and faithful serving God, and then as time went on, they kind of went down. They kind of forgot about God's deliverance, and they weren't so more excited about it, and they stopped being faithful. You ever seen somebody like that? Okay. We ourselves might have had that kind of experience a little bit. It's where God does something for us, and at first we're excited, uh, and, and then as time goes on, we don't really show that we're thankful for what he's done. Well, that happens with people too, doesn't it? In our relationships with people, um, and it certainly happens in relationship with God. So let's look at this example in verses 4 through 9. What is their dilemma? What's their problem? What's their issue? Verse 4 says, Some wandered in desert places, finding no way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. All right. So help me describe what, what's going on. What's their problem? Lost. All right. Not good to be lost. All right. What else happened when they got lost? Hungry. They got hungry. All right. What else? Thirsty. Right. Okay. So can you imagine being hungry and thirsty? What else? What, what, what other things kind of happen when that happens? All right. What does that mean? Discouraged, right? Okay. You ever try to uh, go somewhere, you know, you, you're driving somewhere new, maybe on vacation or maybe trying to see a new site, and you're using GPS, uh, um, and you get on the wrong turn, right? And you realize, oh, man, I made the wrong turn. Now I got to get back and, and, and redirect and get where I'm going, and I'm late, and I, and, and I need to stop for lunch, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, maybe I have to go to the bathroom or somebody in the car has to go. Uh, all those things kind of just drive you like, oh, I'm in a mess, I'm in a mess. So that's where they were. Look what happens when this happens. Some wandered in desert places, finding no way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. So because of the issues and the problems where they had, they became discouraged. All right. Then what happened? Verse 6. Somebody read that for me. Let's stop there. All right. This is key to every experience that we'll look at here in Psalm 107. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. Look at verse 13, second experience. Somebody read the first part of verse 13. 
Somebody read the first part of verse 19. Don't be bashful. Go ahead. And somebody read the first part of verse 28. All together. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. All right? So they got in trouble. They got in a fix. They were in a dilemma, in trouble, in a situation, right? And what did they do? They cried to the Lord in their trouble. What do you suppose the Lord did? Let's go back at those verses. Look at verse 6, the second part of verse 6. Somebody read that. All right. And somebody read the second part of verse 13. All right, let's have a bunch of people read the second part of verse 19. All right, and then the second part of verse 28. Everybody read that. And he delivered them from their distress. So what's common in each experience, they got into trouble, all right? They cried to the Lord. What did the Lord do? He delivered them. Now, we're talking about those who, 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 who know something and have an experience and have a relationship with God. This, this whole psalm is entitled, Let the Redeemed of the Lord Say So. Let those who have seen God work in their life speak about it. Let's give a testimony. Let's say what God has done. And so they got into trouble. They cried to the Lord. That's the prayer part. That's what we're here to do tonight is to cry to the Lord. So we realize that we can pray to God and we can bring our issues, our troubles, our problems um, to the Lord. And in each one of these cases, when God's people speak to him, he answers. He comes to their rescue. He delivers them from their distresses. Then the second, that's the, um, the, the last thing that the psalm encourages us to do in every situation is when the Lord delivers us for us to have a right response to him. Even our, our young people know when somebody does something nice, when they give you something, what should you do or say? Thank you, right? That's polite, isn't it? We teach our children to say thank you. Well, God is saying he wants his children to say thank you. Let's look at a couple cases in verse 8 and 9. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous work to the children of man. Look at verse 15. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Verse 21. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Verse 31, read that. So we see in each one of these experiences, trouble. We didn't talk about the particular troubles. We'll get into that next week. In the midst of trouble, they cried to the Lord. They prayed. And praying, God answered. God delivered. We didn't talk about the specific deliverance that he gave. We'll get to that next week. But we see the response that they should have from that is thanking the Lord. So it's a prayer. Prayer answered. <coughs> Thank the Lord. Respond to God. 
So, Psalm starts 107. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Dealing Saints. Continue our meditation through Hebrews. Boy shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Now, he's referring to something. And the thing about the scripture, especially when we meditate on it, is we should be thinking in terms of images. When you think about this passage, he's referring to a specific event. We talked about this last week, but what does he want us to think about? The Bible is a movie. He's referring to a specific scene. What scene is he referring to? What did he say? Okay, he's pointing to Jesus coming again. But he's, he's bringing his images from something else. What image in the Old Testament is he referring to? Mount Sinai? What happened there? It shook the whole mountain, right? He came down, and let's talk about that again like we did last week. He came down on a mountain, and the whole place shook, right? There was this trumpet that kept on getting louder and louder and louder. And you kind of imagine, you ever had that when you're sitting there somewhere and the sound system goes bad? Music goes, yeah, the eee, right? And you hurt, hope somebody shut it off because it's like, it feels like if it don't, somebody don't shut it off, but somebody finally, somebody just goes scream out like, stop! But I believe that something like that happened when God descended on a monk because it said a trumpet just kept sounding. And the thing you got to think about, when a human sounds a trumpet, you know it can only go so far because they only got so much breath, right? That's one of the coolest things when you hear a song. There's certain songs people sing where they note this last for a long time. You're like, man, that was pretty good. That's five seconds they did that. That's ten seconds. Wow. We got a song like that in our church, too. The lion and the lamb. And they hold that lion, lamb part for the longest time. You're like, wow, they did a good job. But this trumpet, I bet it was going on for a good minute or two. Which don't seem like that long in the grand scheme of things, but if you hear a trumpet sounding that long and not wavering for that long, you wondering what's going on, right? Especially since it's so loud. And so here's this trumpet that just goes off and everybody just looking like, what's going on? Then they see Moses and, you know, they kind of scared of Moses. But they like, okay, well, at least Moses knows how to deal with this stuff that we don't know how to deal with. You ever had a friend like that? You'd be like, okay, I know I'm scared, but I'm sure so-and-so would deal with it. And that's how they was with Moses. And I mean, I don't necessarily like Moses all the time, but you go talk to that man, right? 
So Moses goes up there, and God speaks to Moses. And then he speaks to the whole assembly. And he start off with the song that the kids sing, right? The Ten Commandments. And as he speaks, it's not like a gentle voice. It's a, thou shall not steal. Everybody's like, whoa, right? And I'm sure at that moment, like somebody dropped a ring. Yep. And it's like, stuff like that was going on because when he was speaking, it, it made everybody afraid. So it says, see, do you not refuse him who is speaking? Now, one thing about speaking about God is I believe this. I believe this, that God is always speaking with that great thunderous voice, but that we can't always hear it because of our own spiritual blindness. And I'm a, the reason I say that is because Jesus once was on earth and he said, Father, glorify your name. And then the Father answered back, I have glorified and I will glorify it again. And everybody was scared. And Jesus is like, he's just speaking to you. You surprised that you heard that voice? And the thought that we get from Jesus is that conversation was going on all the time. Every time Jesus says something, perhaps the Father was always replying to him. In this sense, he says, see that you don't refuse him who is speaking. Not him who spoke once before, but he who is speaking. What's God saying, right? What is God saying? I know we can say, well, this thing happens and I can interpret it as God saying something. But I believe that God is speaking to us with real words, not just events that we can interpret, not I didn't get that job, so that must mean God's will is this. No, I believe that God oftentimes is speaking to us directly. Hey, you. And I believe oftentimes we are too distracted by the things going on on this earth, or we lack the faith to be able to hear his voice. In many cases, the God of this world has stuffed people's ears. But in other cases, people have stuffed their ears with busyness. In our society, we don't have a lot of time of silence anymore. People go to work and there's always talking. They turn on their music. They go and work out, they put music on their ears. Then they get into their car, they turn on the radio immediately. They get home and as soon as they walk in the door, they turn on the TV because they don't want to be in silence. But one of the Christian disciplines is called silence and solitude. And what does that mean? That means that we have to give time and silence for God to speak to us but I think it's not that we give time for God to speak to us. I think we're trying to train our weak senses to be able to hear God. It's just like me. When I started learning the bass, you know, I didn't hear the bass part. But then I started learning, I heard it. And so I used to listen to songs, and I would get earphones and listen to the part. But now somebody can just play it, and I can hear it. Because I know how to hear the part. I've trained my ear to hear that part. Have we trained our ear to listen to God, who is speaking, not who did speak? For they did not escape when they refused him, who warned them on earth. 
can't help but think about when we talked about Joshua 1 two weeks ago. What was the key to that passage? It wasn't being strong. It was God's word, wasn't it? It's God's word that makes us strong. Why did the book of Joshua end up being such a success? Because they listened to what God had said. Why did the book of Judges end up being such a failure? Because they did not listen to what God said. Joshua opens up with God saying, listen to me and you'll be successful. Judges opens up with the angel of the Lord, God, saying, why didn't you listen to my voice? It's no wonder that one book is failure and one book is victory. For he says, we'll not, we won't escape if we don't listen to him. We can't blame it on the fact that I can't hear him. We can't blame it on the fact that I didn't know he was speaking to me. Maybe we should also train our children in that way, shouldn't we? I shouldn't have to yell 6,000 times. If I'm yelling too much for to get your attention, that in itself should be a disciplinary action because you should be training yourself to hear what I'm saying. Maybe we should train ourselves to hear what God is saying. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but he's promised to shake the heavens. And what he's saying is, his voice will destroy this creation. The things that we value so much, they're not going to be here forever. One day, God will speak, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess. And that's not necessarily going to be a joyful confession to many. There's going to be many people who go to heaven and think they're going to see Allah and Muhammad. And they're going to have to bow and confess that Jesus is Lord. There's many people who are going to be worshiping Buddha. And they're going to realize it's not Buddha, it's not Nirvana. It's heaven. There's many people who are going to say that there is no God. And they're going to wake up after they die and see that there is a God. That he's all-powerful. But I don't want us to be those who go to church and play around like there's a God. And then go to heaven and realize he wasn't playing us like we thought we was playing him. He says, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Maybe too much in the West, we maybe overemphasize the forbearance of God and too much diminish the fact that we should in some ways be a little bit afraid of God. Just like we should be afraid of a good dad who could discipline us, who has strong expectations of us, who knows that the report card is coming, right? So it should be with us. So let's meditate on those things, amen? Good evening. So our prayer focus tonight is in three areas. I want to pray for those who are behind the scenes. Uh, it took a while guessing. I think it was, it was Jackie and Matt because you could eat off the floor. So I want to pray for those who are behind the scenes tonight. Can I get a volunteer to do that? The behind the scenes people. All right, Nick. And then I want to pray for our worship leaders. It's fun to be in the choir when you, you know, 
we have choir rehearsal, nobody's on tune, and we all messed up. Then we get up there and sing it right, and you can see Mickey's face. And she's just as happy. Or who's ever leading? Chantel. And you can see him. You know you're doing it. And then you can see the people. And then Donna does it, you know, and you know that you got it right. And the reason that we can, uh, the reason that people pray is because the people that's singing and the people that's leading, their lives bear witness to what, to what they do. So you can sing it. I can't sing a lick, but when I sing God's grace, everybody likes it because they know it represents my life. So that's one thing about praise. Uh, I got this one verse I would like to read. It says, clap your hands, all peoples. It is, is, it is Psalms. Clap your hands, all people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. So praise gets us in the mood to, to be godly, and God loves our praise. So I want to pray for our worship leaders and our praise leaders. Can I get a volunteer for that? The line keeps, yeah, behind the scenes. Uncle Willie and Mickey, the little flowers in the box. You don't, I mean, people just come, you know. Yeah, it's, it's behind the scenes. Now, there's some out front people, you know, the choir people, the people who sing, the pastor and the teachers out front, but it's behind the scenes people, so pray for them. And then I want to pray for the gray-haired people. The foundation. When you look back, I think about when I first came to church, Bob, Ken, I want to, Bob Kenner to me and Mac, they were men of God that I wanted to be like. They were my, you know, role models. I want to pray for the gray-haired people. Uh, so behind the scenes, worship leaders, and uh, who wants to pray for the gray-haired people? I'm, I'm not amongst the gray-haired people. Yeah, I'm silver. <laughs> she said silver. Yeah, I, keep it, I try to keep it cut, but it keeps coming back. I keep saying, who is this dude? Okay, Bill, you'll pray, pray for the gray-haired people. Then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll end it. So uh, behind the scenes, people. For our praise and worship leaders, who's praying for the, the, the gray hair. Lord for this focus tonight for those who work behind the scenes not wanting to be seen or needing to be seen but understanding that they're doing it for your love Lord for your mercy and grace thank you for our choir of praise leaders Lord and the people who pour their hearts into having us lift up praise to you Lord God we thank you for them and Lord we thank you for those seniors amongst us Lord that have laid the foundation and have lived a uh, godly lives before us, to be examples of what it looks like to live a godly life. It reflects in, in the families, Lord, the children, the grandchildren, and the great-grandchildren. We thank you for that godly foundation that we have. We pray your continued blessing on this ministry, for Christ's sake.